The Athletic. The winner to organize the 2022 FIFA World Cup is Qatar. Second of December, 2010. Remember where you were when Uncle Set pulled that name out of the envelope, surprising everyone, apart from strangely the Qatari delegation. Well, 12 years on, almost here we are in the Qatar and looking at the stars. The stars ready to light up the greatest football show around. It's the World Cup. It's totally at the World Cup. Sponsored by Live Score Bet. Wednesday, November the 16th, T-minus four. And here in our World Cup headquarters, our head Qatars, I'm joined by Michael Cox. Hi, James. James Horncastle. Hello, James. And on the big screen, hello, Mauricio Pochettino. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you all. It's much better like Dio with my glass. I don't know. I think glasses works for me. Yeah, do okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Excellent. You're going incognito, but it is that Maurizio Pochettino who's kindly agreed to be our South American expert today, amongst other things. Fabulous. Uh, four days to go until the World Cup begins. Excited, Michael? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it now. It was hard to get excited when there were still Premier League games to, to be played, but now there's nothing else on the agenda. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay. James? I'm very curious. I've never been to Qatar before, so right. looking forward to it uh, on Monday bit conflicted uh, about it all, but uh, very excited to be covering Mauricio's team, yeah. Argentina, and also uh, also Brazil. So yeah. can't wait. Obviously, there are issues, but it's not like the last World Cup wasn't held in a repressive dictatorship as well. And everybody seemed to enjoy that one. Anyway, Mauricio, only one of us here has actually played in a World Cup. And checks notes, it's you. Uh, what was it like? Well, the World Cup, obviously, for me, is the more exciting uh, tournament. When you play football, when you are young, always is your dream is to be involved in the in the World Cup. I think it's difficult to explain with words because I think it's the most difficult thing is that you feel uh, so excited and so happy, and the happiness that you feel is is so is so special, and uh, that is why I am so excited also because I think this World Cup is going to be a big question mark because it's in the middle of the the season. I think it's, uh, it's uh, like uh, you said before, uh, we are curious to see what is, how it's going on, how the, the team prepare uh, the games uh, with no time to, to, to work too much. Well, you, you took part in Argentina's 2002 campaign. Anything in particular come to mind from that when, when, you, when you think back to that World Cup? Well, difficult, difficult because I was with, again in England when... Uh, <laughs> you gave away the penalty on Michael Owen. Because, yes, with Michael, that uh, now would be a year, maybe, you know. They were talking about Maradona in 1986, you know, in Mexico, how Maradona behaved, no, in, in when he scored but with the hand of God, no. But uh, yeah, Owen, I think, learned a lot from this. And I think, because I never touched him, I never touched And I, I, when I saw in Southampton, my first time, ten, uh, eight, nine years ago, I told Michael, uh, I didn't touch. I said, no, no, you touch me. No, 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 no. I didn't touch. We'd be a year now. It's not, it's not penalty. <laughs> uh, Mauricio, would you ever grow your hair back to the 2002 uh, length? I mean, for me, when I was growing up, Batistuta, yourself, the long hair, just kind of brought yes. all those memories of Argentina back. Do it. Please yes. grow the hair back. Yes, yes, yes. What's, um, what's different, I think? 
pass was like uh, um, the aggressive way to show that you are brave, no? Yes. Your long hair, you know, was like uh, uh, show we are a man, we are aggressive, we are a fighter. That was a little bit, you know, the the idea, no, of uh, the mentality of the of the player, no? When, uh, but now I think change change a lot, you know, this uh, this idea um, today. Without the technology that we had on the on the game, it's difficult to be brave. It's difficult uh, show uh, that you are brave is to play football, is ask for the ball, is to be aggressive in the last third, is, is to shoot, is to to win the duels, is to be faster than the than the opponent. But in the past, it was about to be you know to be clever, to be clever and compete and try that uh, to be clever with your opponent and with the referee and with you know. To try to take advantage in every single action now change complete that game changed complete with the technology mm-hmm. well this will be the most technological world cup ever who's going to be creating golden memories for future podcasts we're going to be discussing that over the course of the next few shows we're going to begin today with group a this is the totally football show part of the athletic podcast network Group A, everybody, Senegal, the champions of Africa are in here, as are the biggest football nation never to win the World Cup, Netherlands, three-time finalists, of course. Also in there, Ecuador, who are, checks notes, South America's set-piece kings, and the hosts, Qatar, officially the most improved side at this World Cup. Might they not actually be rubbish? That's a question. James, you think this group is potentially the most exciting at the entire World Cup? <laughs> it's the most random because, you know, Holland have qualified for the World Cup. They weren't at the last one. Uh, same with Ecuador. Qatar have never been at a World Cup before. Um, and so, yeah, for those reasons, you kind of don't really know what you're going to get. Um, and, you know, Qatar, yeah, they spent the last couple of months kind of training uh, in Marbella. Um, and they're also probably the national team that have had the chance to work the most like a club team in that period. Um, so curious to see how they get on in that opening game. I think Ecuador, I mean, they they held Brazil to a draw. They held Argentina to a draw. Okay, they were playing at altitude in Quito and Guayasil, but they've got some very good players in terms of not just Moise Casado and, and Pervis Estupinan, but... Yeah, players who've been around the block, who played Turkish Super League, James. Which you know, if you're Ena Valencia, that's you know, that's gonna it's gonna sort you right out for 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 the shootout that is gonna be this this random group. And then they've got a player called Jokaev. So for me, that's why I, I'm very much shouting Somos Ecuador right. at this World Cup. Do you have them coming out of this group? I do. Yeah. All right. I mean, they're battle hardened in South American World Cup qualifying. They've qualified at Chile's expense, although Chile are not particularly happy about that because right. they took them to court over it. Yes. Yeah. And Ecuador will have uh, to start the next World Cup qualifying with what minus three points because it's disputed whether Brian Castillo is Ecuadorian or not. Was he mm. born across the border in Colombia? So, but you know, it just it, it makes me warm to them more. You know. Okay. So. Are you warming to Ecuador, the uh, South American set piece kings with dynamic wing- wingers? Can I just read you out their most recent six results? Yes. 1-0, 0-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1
One nil, nil nil, nil nil, nil. Most nil. exciting group, Michael. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. I think they might be quite good, actually. I mean, this is international football. Clean sheets are important. I think if they can hold the Netherlands to a nil nil, if they can just pinch a goal against one of the other two sides in the group, they'll probably be through. So, yeah, I think they uh, they're going to be difficult to break down. They seem to have a good centre back partnership. I think they're maybe one of the more underrated sides. I mean, only four South American teams at this tournament. And there, if you like the best of the rest, we expect Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay to be here. Ecuador, to get through that qualification, they're, they're going to be a good side. I mean, if Brighton love Ecuador and just go and scout all day long in Ecuador, I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's quite revealing. There's got to be something going on there. What about the Netherlands with Van Hal back? Since he's returned, 11 wins and four draws. In the recent Nations League, they were the only League A team to remain unbeaten. And in that run, winning home and away against Belgium. Mauricio, do you have any strong thoughts about the Netherlands? I think Netherlands, for me, the coach. Mm-hmm. I like Bangal. Of course, he's a little bit, a little bit uh, special, special, <laughs> special guy. And always it's possible to, to give his best and to do things that maybe you don't, uh, don't expect. And I think Netherlands uh, always is, for me, always is uh, talking about talent great players, always was a reference in football. I remember uh, in, in Argentina, no, mm. when played the final with Argentina, because after I saw the, the, the talent that were there, Johan Cruyff, we can talk about many, many, many things. It's possible it can be one of the national teams that no one talk, but can be a big surprise, a nice surprise in the right. World Cup. Three-time finalist, of course, but never won it. What do you think is the biggest issue facing Van Hal's side, or facing him as he tries to get them to express the their potential the, the history like you say three final <laughs> that they play and didn't win that does, I think is a massive 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 problem in your mind when you go and, and to, to face um, this tournament that is the, the most important tournament in the in the world I think that is is going to be the, the, the worst enemy well I think another piece of relevant history is the fact that they got to the semi-finals in 2014 under Van Howe only lost on penalties in that game and it's interesting because Van Howe is known really as someone who revolutionised European football, I would say, with 4-3-3, with pressing. But at international level, he plays a completely different way. He plays a back three, which he wouldn't really do, or back five, really, which he wouldn't do at club level very often. He plays on the counter-attack. You know, it was I and Robin in 2014. It's probably going to be uh, Depay and Gakpo this time around. Um, I like him. Their results are really good. The thing about the Nations League is not just they had the best record, but that was the only Nations League group where there was four teams who have qualified for the World Cup. So they're getting good results against the, you know, the calibre of sides that are going to be here. I think there's a couple of question marks in defence. I don't quite know how they're going to play it, whether Van Dijk's going to be the spare man, Delict, you know, could not be in the side, which, which feels yeah. quite weird considering his quality. But they're good and they press well at times as well with the wing backs pushing forward. So, yeah, I, I really like the Netherlands. I love Van Howe and I think this is going to be his last coaching job, probably. Uh, so I think it's what, you know, I'll say it. I'd love him to win it. I think yeah. it's great. Right. Robert I mean, Koeman picking up the reins after this tournament. Okay, Julian Lorenz's favourite uh, coach. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, in the last World Cup that Van Howe was in charge of in 2014, one of the kind of storylines was what he did with the goalkeepers where he, he, he subbed one out for the penalty shootout. And at the moment, you've got this kind of question mark over that position for, for, for the Netherlands because Remco Passover is 39. Um, yeah, he's, he's coming for Andre Onana Ajax. He's done okay. 
But then you've got guys who've played in like the Italian third division as the backup, Andreas Nopert. You've got uh, Justin Biglio, part of the final side. But these guys have, I think, eight caps between them. Um, so it's quite interesting looking back through the years in, at uh, other Netherlands teams that have gone to the World Cup where that has been an issue as well in 1974. Uh, what for happened example. then? Well, just, just, just the, choice, the choice. I mean, I think um, you had Jan Youngblood play. I think, uh, was it... Who was, was it Hans van Breukland was was injured or there was again as always one of those big debates in in, in Holland about okay uh, we need a goalkeeper who can play out from the back who's good with his feet rather than just someone who can stop shots um, so it's it's nice to see a, a theme um, bespoke to the Netherlands kind of re-emerging as we go into a World Cup but um, only eight international appearances then for the three goalkeepers they've taken in their squad. Do yeah. you see that lack of Dutch caps affecting <laughs> the scoring? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be an issue. Uh, I mean, they left out Sillison, who's right. yeah. established. and I mean, that's a very Van Hal thing to do. But Michael referenced it earlier, the fact that um, the Netherlands have incredible depth at centre-back. Yeah, so much so that Sven Botman, who you know, AC Milan wanted and he ended up going to Newcastle, He's not in the squad. Delict and and Stefan de Vrij, um are in the squad, but probably won't start because Van Gaal likes to play Van Dijk with um, Timber and Nathan Ake. Um, so, yeah, it's there's a lot of kind of very quintessential Van Gaal eccentricities to this uh, this squad. And yeah, I, I would again the, the midfield seems very tactical um, in that yes, you've got someone like De Jong there who is the kind of player that you associate with um, the kind of Dutch football identity. But you've got some kind of all-rounders who are quite positionally smart, like Coop Miners, who's been playing for Atalanta, Deron, who's been playing for Atalanta as well, who you know, cannot operate as a kind of centre-back who goes into defence as you progress the ball up the pitch. So, yeah, it's... I mean, they're strong. They are strong, but yeah. they've, 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 they've... Yeah, I mean, the, the goalkeeper is... Uh, it's, it's, it's quite an important position. It's a shame about Wijnaldum being out because mm. he was really good at the Euros. I thought he was one of the best players until they got knocked out. And I don't think they're particularly strong in that zone. So that's a shame. But otherwise, I think they're shaping up quite nicely. All right. Well, their first opponents of the World Cup are Senegal, the Lions of Taranga, crowned African champions earlier this year in Cameroon. How are they looking? Well, Mahir Mazahi joins us now to tell us more. Mahela, hello. Uh, thank you for joining us. What a year it's been for Senegal. And what are their prospects of capping it off with something pretty special in Qatar? It's been a historic year for Senegal. Um, since their federation was founded in 1965, uh, they'd never really won a major trophy. And they started this year at, in the African Cup of Nations uh, as, once again, one of the favourites in the competition. Everybody had singled them out as the best team on paper. But the main claim against Senegal was that when it's time for them to play in the biggest matches, they always seem to choke. This time around, they finally got across that hurdle. Um, I think it was just a combination of experience and some of their best players playing their best football. Uh, I don't know if you can hear a baby screaming behind me. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, excuse me, I'm in Marseille. It's, uh, it's very lively here. But uh, after they, they got over that hurdle and they finally won that African Cup of Nations trophy, 
you kind of feel like there was a, a weight lifted off of their shoulders. Uh, there's a burden that's kind of freed them and liberated them. You could feel the catharsis and the ecstasy in the after the national team parade. Um, and I wonder if that's going to make the difference between the last time they were in the World Cup in 2018 and this time around. They have more experience, but it's still much of the same group, the same coach. And at the same time, they know they have the confidence that they can win it now. The main question now is, will Sadio Mane be fit in time to, to play some of these matches? Right. Show me the Mane is the big, the big theme for this, this tournament in general, of course, but particularly for Senegal. How is he? Yeah, at the moment, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I, uh, I kind of am reminded sometimes of uh, Robin Van Persie and I think it was Diego Costa using placenta fluid uh, and some of these <laughs> other weird treatments to try and get them back in time miraculously. And I kind of wonder what the Senegalese equivalent is at times. <laughs> but they must be doing everything they can to try and get him back on, in time. Because Senegal are, as I mentioned, the best African team on paper. But they don't really have an out-and-out -out striker. So a lot of their attacking impetus is placed on Sadio Mane. Um, so they'll be really hoping that he is uh, back in time. Bayern Munich seem pessimistic. They don't, they're not happy that he's been included in the Senegalese squad, but Senegal are not going to care. They're going to bring him out to Qatar and hope that he can at least play, uh, he can at least be a factor in the latter stages of this tournament. Okay, they do at least have a rock-solid defence at the other end to count on with the likes of uh, Khalidou Koulibaly and Edouard Mendy as well. Yeah, the, the Minister of Defence, as they call Khalidou Koulibaly. Uh, Edouard Mendy, I think, is going to be a, a main difference as well. Um, last time in Russia, they had Kadi Mendier uh, in goal. He's a curious character. He... Uh, He's mostly known uh, because of a meme that he sort of produced when he tripped himself during a goal kick as a sort of means to waste time. So he's seen as somebody that's like intelligent, experienced, but not really the greatest goalkeeper. And he conceded probably uh, one too many goals uh, that were his fault in Russia. So I think Edward Mendy being there, I think that can really make a, a big, big difference for the Taranga Lions. Okay. Who else do you think could be a breakout star for Senegal in this tournament? Yeah, they have a midfielder named uh, Crependieta. He's, uh, I believe he's 22 years old now, uh, 23, playing at Monaco. And they have another Pap Matarsara at Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, two of the youngest, best talents in Africa have played at very high levels uh, for extended periods of time uh, with their clubs. Pap Matarsara with Generation Foot and then Metz and Crependieta at, in Belgium before he made the move to, to Monaco. Uh, but both have also struggled with injury. Pat Matarsar hasn't been seeing so much time with, with Tottenham Hotspur. But I think those two are actually just about ready to take over from the more aging midfielders in the Senegalese national team like Sheku Kuyate or Idrissa Ganagay. So I think those two could be breakout stars for Senegal. OK. The opening game is against Netherlands. Of course, we've seen spectacular things from Senegal in World Cup openers before now. 2002, for example. What, what do you think? That's that was a historic match. Uh, Papa Bouba Diop scoring one nil against France. France, the former colonizers, the world champions, the European champions. Senegal, they do have this knack about them where they don't seem to. It's in Africa. It's weird because you have some national teams that seem to live up to these occasions in, in the World Cups. Teams like Morocco or Senegal, uh, Algeria at times, uh, Ghana, definitely. There are other teams like Tunisia or Egypt. It seems like when they get to the World Cup, they're just it's paralysis and they can't manage to play up to their level. Senegal do seem to, to play up to the World Cup and they, they seem to get at it every, every single time they're there. So I think, I think they're actually favorites to get out of the group alongside the Netherlands. I think Qatar and Ecuador are probably uh, a little bit more underdogs. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mahir, thank you so much. 
Thanks for having uh, me. On. Not at all, not at all. I hope we can speak to you much more as things progress. Absolutely, I would look forward to it. Maher Mazahi there. We'll be hearing much more from him, hopefully, as the tournament progresses. Senegal, Mauritius, the 2002 World Cup. That, of course, also featured one of the great opening matches for a defending champion when Senegal beat France 1-0 with uh, Papa Bouba Diop's uh, legendary goal. What do you think of their chances of springing a similar upset in this group here, Michael? I think they're a good side. They've got good tournament pedigree, won the AFCON, obviously. Actually, very unlucky not to get through the group last time around. They went out on fair play points, yes. if you remember, behind Japan, which was just well ridiculous, really. I didn't even know that came into the equation. Um, That's why Japan always posts those photos of them cleaning up their dressing room. <laughs> right. No, but I'm interested. Just another tiebreaker. What, what goes into the fair play coefficient? Just yellow cards, Just yellow red and red cards, yeah. Right, but okay. um, that's a harsh way to go out, isn't it? Right. Yeah, really. for sure. There's no easy way, of course. But No. Hmm. That's probably worse than penalties, I think. I would say, yeah. Okay. Huh. Okay, well, it's going to be a, an interesting game to see how they get on in their opening match against Netherlands. The other two teams in the group are Qatar and Ecuador. Now, we've spoken a lot about Ecuador already. Qatar, though, are we curious to see them in action? They are the current Asian champions. They beat Korea and Japan on the way to that title. They have spent a huge amount of time actually having a proper pre-World Cup training camp. Might they not actually be rubbish, Michael? Yeah, I'm interested to see how they'll go. My suspicion is that they're going to focus so much on being an actual good footballing side, as in keeping possession, playing football the right way. They've got a manager who came from Barcelona. Xavi Hernandez coached a lot of these players with Alcatraz. So it's almost like the Catalan. Very good, James. I like that a lot. But I'm not sure that's the way that you get results as an underdog in a World Cup group like this. And that's why I would... Fear for them slightly. I, I feel like they might quite impress in terms of their technical quality. But the teams that kind of tend to spring a surprise are solid defensively and physical and difficult to break down. And I'm not sure Qatar will be like that. Okay. Uh, one of the most kind of impressive technical elements in that team is actually the subject of uh, the radar, which is the athletics uh, scouting report that'll be out on Friday. Michael, you and others will be talking about some of the stars to watch in Qatar and there'll be a lot of feature, uh, a lot of focus on Akram Afif, who James will no doubt describe him in one match report as Afif in the night or something like that. <laughs> uh, Xavi, who was his former club manager, says there are no limits for Afif. Well, that's have you, have you done the radar on Afif or not? I haven't, no. Oh, okay. Well, look forward to reading it on The Athletic yeah. on, on Friday then. I also read that they've got basketball-style crossover thrones, and I've seen a diagram of how this works. Something to look forward to as well, I guess. Uh, okay. That and the Iranian goalkeeper. Yeah, that and okay. the Iranian goalkeeper we'll touch on very, very shortly. Two big advantages that they do have, Qatar. One is the fact that, yes, they have had this proper training camp. Mind you, they did get beaten in a friendly by Northern Irish champions Linfield last summer, so was a bit of work to be done there. The other factor in their favour is how to put this refereeing. And it could be interesting to see how... What are you saying, James? No, just the home, the home <laughs> support for the opening game of the, uh, of the whole tournament this Sunday when they take on uh, Ecuador at the Albaid Stadium in front of 60,000, presumably mostly Qatari fans. And just how, whoops, there's a penalty. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You remember 2002, basically, is what you're saying. I mean... Byron Moreno. Is he refereeing? Byron Moreno. 
Uh, they also have five players who are capped more than 100 times. Really? Very experienced. Um, only Mexico come close to that, I think, with, with four centurions. Good lord. Um, so there you go. All right. Well, we've obviously got loads more to say about Qatar, but we'll just save that for after Sunday's opening game. And next up, move on to the group which will provide the opponents for whoever qualifies from this set of teams, and that is, of course, England's Group B. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Live Score Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Upcoming World Cup, what are The Athletic going to be doing about it? Well, every night I'll be hosting a Totally Football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham, The Athletic Football Podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés podcast, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It's your perfect teammate, the Sutton to your Shearer, the Heskey to your Owen, the Mane and Firmino to your Salah. Whether you're selling Ibelon to Jimbo t-shirts or Max and Barry half and half scars, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. Incredible game. When they play with a false nine, it changes everything. A false nine, eh? What's that then? Well, it's, um, <laughs> you know, it's what well, he's a nine, but he's not really a nine in the area, and... Uh... Oh, sorry, I just got to take that. Urgent football question? Call the Athletic Emergency Football Hotline 0800 433 433. News, insights, analysis, The Athletic. Know the game, love the game. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Good to be back, Dick. Oh, mate, special. Feel different. Yeah. Oh, God, baby. (laughs) Declan Rice and company arriving there at a misty St. George's Park earlier this week, ahead of England, the toughest group in terms of FIFA rankings. All four teams... In the world top 20, England fifth, but coming into this tournament on a six-match winless run. A USA 16th, youngest team in the tournament. Wales, back after 64 years and ranked 19th in a place below them, playing against a backdrop of turmoil and, and tragedy back home, Iran. England, Michael Cox, how far are England going to go? I think it's quite a tough draw, both in terms of the group stage and who they might get in the second round. But they do have tournament pedigree. Semi-finals last time, got to the final of the Euros. They do have a solid unit there. They're comfortable playing together. They know the system. They can switch to a back three. They can switch to a back four. Um, I don't think England are at their best. I don't think they're as good as they were maybe 18 months ago. But I think they should get through the group at least. Well, I agree with Michael. I think it is a trap group um, because yeah, that first game against Iran, yeah, there's all the tension and turmoil that you talked about back home in Iran. You wonder how the players will react to that, whether it galvanizes them. And also, there's always a player who can cause you problems, like Taremi, for example, at Porto. Taremi, who scored five goals in the Champions League group stages. Just the kind of player you don't really want to come up against or go into a tournament cold uh, with, because it could could cause a shock. Uh, and we've seen it before with, uh, with England teams, notably you know, against Algeria. And then how that sets the tone, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, back in South Africa, that World Cup, you could, that really sets the tone of how the rest of the uh, competition goes. A group which also included USA back then, of course, yeah. as this one does too. Uh, Maurizio, how far, looking at the squad of players that England have, how far do you think they should be able to go? When you look the the squad of England, the player, the talent, the quality, the depth of the, of the squad, I think... In the my in my mind, huh? like a coach, uh, objective, being objective. I think until to the end. I think uh, the last uh, Euros. I think we can see how um, good was England. Only missed the last game against Italy, but I think for sure they learn a lot about the about this uh, fi- uh, final. And I think it's a good opportunity. Of course, that in the last few months was. Uh, 
uh, I don't know, the, the atmosphere was a little bit disappointed because of some result. But I think when the, the World Cup started, it's, it's going to be different, it should be different. And, and, and of course, England have the capacity um, to be uh, until right to the end. I think it's my uh, rational brain, and of course, it's my wish. Of course, I am Argentino, but uh, I would love to to have a final, no, Argentina-England. Wow, that would be pretty amazing. Mauricio, if, if you were managing against some of this World Cup, what would you do? What would you target about this England side? Where do you think their weakness might be? That can be a little bit the weakness of, of England that maybe arrived to the World Cup not with the maybe solid idea that this is, that is in the way that we believe and the way that we are going to play and show your quality and you are strong enough. But I believe that you can build in a few days, in one week. That is the way. That is in what, what we believe. We have amazing players. We have amazing talent. And then we can design a plan to be solid and start, of course, uh, from the first game to start to show that uh, solidity. You, I think you need to believe. That is the most important because you don't have time to work too much. Mm. Michael, you, you wrote a great piece on The Athletic about the lessons of previous World Cup successful campaigns and the fact that you don't need to be the best team going into the tournament or even be on a good run of form. Yeah, the favourites very rarely win the World Cup. And I think really what you need is to keep clean sheets. If you look at the last six winners, the four knockout games they've played in each of those tournaments, that's 24 games. They've kept 17 clean sheets in those games. So just being solid defensively and being able to nick a goal. I mean, set pieces were really big at the last World Cup. Um, yeah, you, you don't need to be Brazil 1970 to win this tournament. Mm, set pieces. Marita, you you're the man who unleashed Harry Kane uh, onto the world of football. I bet you never thought of having him take corners, though. No, in my, in uh, in Tottenham, uh, always we use different different players. I think um, Harry Kane, his best skills is to be inside to the box. Mm. Of course, that is in the last few years, he changed a little bit in the way to approach the games. Uh, he he can play in in, in different positions because he's a, he's a great player. He has um, he has a brain that understands everything um, what the team needs and in every single space on the pitch, uh, he know how how behave. But for me, for me, eh, uh, it's my opinion. Like a coach, for me to have Harry Kane inside to the box uh, in the set pieces is the best uh, alternative to score. Mm. Um, but every single coaching staff have the idea and, and you need to respect. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, England's first opponent will be Iran. In 2018, Team Meli were one of the surprises of the group stage. Despite barely scoring, they came within a point uh, from getting out of a group which contained Portugal and Spain. Well, this time around, the mood very different with the ongoing protests and violent repression back home. Uh, to tell us more about Iran coming into this tournament, Basil Magdadi. Basil, the, the World Cup is huge, obviously, and, and a World Cup with USA and England in your group is particularly huge for Iran. But with everything that's going on back at home, how much do you think people in Iran care right now about this World Cup? Yeah, well, I'm going to try and not get myself in, into too much trouble. I know there's a huge responsibility when you're trying to speak for uh, 85 million Iranians and maybe a, an additional 5 million in the diaspora. Um, I think the World Cup is still huge. Uh, football is by far and away the national sport of Iran. Um, now, that said, obviously the unrest um, that has happened in the wake of the uh, killing of uh, Masa Amini has... Um, 
uh, has continued, but I, I do uh, I do think that there is some excitement, and I think a lot of people take heart from the fact that uh, the players um, have been vocal uh, about their displeasure of seeing um, innocent protesters, uh, particularly very young people, students and the like, um, uh, being being killed, uh, quite frankly, by um, by the police in Iran. So, what are the prospects in? In this group, you got the the opening game against England, and then I think the crucial one would be the final match against the USA. I think expectations uh, have definitely increased following Carlos Queiroz's return to the national team. Uh, they produced two really good results in friendlies against uh, sides going to the World Cup. They beat Uruguay one nil. They beat uh, they drew against Senegal. Excuse me, one one. Uh, and they've got good players, you know. Uh, you put uh, Sardar Azmoun and, and Mehdi Tarami, who are scoring, scoring goals in the Champions League and have been doing so for the, the past handful of seasons against the defenders Wales and the USA have, whom, you know, I, I don't want to discredit them too much, but I think just based on the, the, the skill level of Iran's forwards against those defenders, you sort of like your chances. And I think cautiously optimistic would be a good way to sum it up. Asmoon, the top scorer in this squad, Basil, but he's a bit of an injury doubt after picking up a knock with Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, so he's working his way back. Um, he's been included in the squad, uh, a very strange squad, I might say, because I think Iran is the only team to take four goalkeepers to this tournament. Mm. Um, but he's included in the squad, and I think just uh, uh, it's evidence of Iran's depth, which is really a departure from the squad they bought in 2018 and 2014. That they have alternatives should Sardar Azmu not start. Um, you know, they have Mehdi Tarami, and the way Carlos Kirosh likes to play, uh, he might have only started with one of them to, to begin with. That's what he did in the two warm up friendlies uh, against Uruguay and Senegal. You know, the assurance that he'll be um, at least fit to come on as a substitute uh, probably means that they they can manage the situation. It's not ideal. Obviously, you want your best players to arrive um, to arrive healthy and ready to go. But another interesting thing to look at is, you know, the overload and underload numbers that were just released today by, by FIFA Pro. And if you look at it, Iran is a squad that is underloaded, meaning they haven't played a lot of minutes. So they're going to be significantly fresher mm. than a lot of the teams coming to this World Cup. And maybe that just extra bit of freshness amongst um, the squad as a whole gives them that edge to, um, to advance in a very, very tight group. One other X factor could be one of those four goalkeepers you mentioned, Aliraz Beranvand, who is the owner of the world record throw in a football game. Yeah, you know, Iran always comes to the World Cup with these guys who can do really nifty things with the ball. So, you know, Beranvand has this huge javelin throw and he'll just he'll just chuck it like a sort of like a quarterback in American football. Beranvand's throw in twenty sixteen in a game against South Korea measured at sixty one point two six meters. It it arrives pretty much in the opposition penalty box and, and a remarkable backstory uh, to this man. He was uh, born to a nomadic family, worked as a shepherd, in his free time played football and a game called Del Paran. Del Paran, is that right? Which involves throwing stones as far as you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no shortage of stories on Beran Vans, you know, like uh, he was also homeless um, for a while. He was living in the rough uh, when he was just getting his football career started. So he's really been the odds. Obviously, um, he played for a while in, in Portugal as well. Uh, so it's always, um, I think, nice to have a World Cup where you hear a lot of these human stories and you hear um, just how um, how many 
twists and turns a lot of these players had to take to arrive on the world's greatest stage. It's not that, you know, the best players were discovered at, at 12 and went to the academy at the biggest club and then just went from strength to strength. A lot of them had to overcome um, struggles. And I think Beran Vand is a, is a good example of that. And, you know, there was also a point in qualifying where it looked like he might even lose his starting position, but he's recovered well and he should be the, the starter for Iran uh, in, uh, what is it, just under five days' time? Yeah, absolutely. Basil, magnificent stuff. Thank you so much for, for that illuminating contribution. And we look forward to speaking to you more as the tournament progresses. My pleasure, Jimbo. Basil McDaddy. Interesting there, the underloading, overloading, which wasn't a, a, a terminology I was familiar with. But Michael, you, you were across this as well. FIFA releasing the amount of minutes that squads have played coming into this World Cup. And there's, some, there's a massive difference. Yeah, so it was FIFA Pro, so it was the Players' Union basically pointing out the players are, are not in great condition uh, in some ways. I mean, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what Mauricio thinks. I mean, is this tournament better or worse for the players than if it had been held in June right. when they came off basically two years solid playing and no break? Just to give you an idea of the figures here, if you haven't seen them, Portugal, their players have played over 30,000 minutes. This was up until 24th of October, so not absolutely up to date, but indicative anyway. 30,000, almost 31,000 minutes. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got Qatar, who've played just over 2,000 minutes. Yeah. They and Kingdom of Saudi Arabia are very much the outliers on that. But still, yeah, could make a difference. What do you think, Mauricio? Is that something that's going to be a big factor? No, not for me. Not for me. Under my experience, it's not the. It's not going to be key in the in, uh, the key in the in the World Cup. It's not going to be a factor that uh, is going to to be important. The most important is how the player uh, arrive in individual physical condition, psychology condition also, and then. Um, I think how you you are going to to have the player and how you are going to design the strategy to you know to be solid in this tournament. My experience in Korea Japan was uh, uh, was amazing because during four years we were the best the best uh, team in the world in South America. Uh, unbeaten for more than 35 uh, games. We play a lot of games in preparation. We arrived in perfect condition. What the manual say? Okay, the manual. The manual say, oh, you need to train, you need to play, you need to compete, you need to do this, you need to do that. But in the moment that you arrive to the competition, for some things change, things uh, in, in, in our performance, and we uh, didn't perform in the, in the way that we expect. That is why football is a many factor that can uh, be there and, and sometimes difficult to explain. But I don't believe it's going to be key, the this type of, of thing that happened. You know, I think... Football is uh, is uh, is from the players, and if the player arrive in good condition, and then it's the talent, and I think the national team that have talent are going to be in the in the. Absolutely, in terms of psychological state, possibly Wales might be the best place. They're a team on a mission. Their first appearance since 1958, when they made it to the quarterfinals. Eliminated by eventual winners Brazil with uh, Pele, 17 years old, with his first ever... Whatever happened to him, James? Whatever happened to him? Whatever happened to Wales? They're back 64 years later, ready for revenge. Crikey. Uh, they're going to make the World Cup sound better. I think we can all agree about that. Wonderful singing from their fans, Michael. There you okay, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about their chances? Uh, well, there are other on-pitch chances, if you will. 
Well, I think they're quite reactive. They're, they're good on the counter-attack of the UEFA size that qualified for this competition. They averaged the, the least possession in qualifying uh, by quite a way. But they've got speed. They've got Gareth Bale, of course, Daniel James. I, I don't think has missed a game for them, a competitive game since he made his debut. And they've also got an alternative option up front in Kiefer Moore, who I think has been quite effective at times in the Premier League this season. Um, and I think he is the kind of player that might cause some of these defences some problems. OK, Gareth Bale, who will be up against the Americans in Wales's opener on Monday. Of course, he's he's enjoying such success in the United States at the moment, James. He's just yeah. won ML, uh, MLS. Yeah, the MLS Cup. Yeah, no, with the LAFC. Um, yeah, I think that was quite a smart move uh, from Bale um, to go there somewhere he could... I mean, he hasn't played regularly, um, but somewhere he could you know, focus in warm weather on preparing for this World Cup. And in some respects, you always feel that you know, Wales and particularly their star players raise their level and actually do perform in international football. We've seen that with Bale over and over again for his country. Um, I, I don't think they f- they feel pressure in the way that um, some of the other nations do, particularly the the ones that are expected to uh, to challenge uh, for the World Cup. Uh, they seem to they seem to be able to draw on the pride um, that uh, that the national team uh, generates. And yeah, I think it's it's one of the things where you see players not weighed down by expectation and able to perform uh, for their country, which you know you don't always see in yeah some of the big nations that are quite. We all look at big stars and they they sometimes be quite underwhelming. Well, Bale has always kind of done the business for uh, for Wales. So so yeah, let's see. Who do you see being? the biggest rivals to England in this group? If Iran are maybe not in the best place coming into this, USA or Wales? I like the USA. I mean, they're, I suppose I'm familiar to a lot of people because they weren't at the tournament four years ago and the side is almost completely different from eight years ago. But they've got a really good midfield. I mean, so much energy, so much pressing capacity. There's a couple of question marks. There's one centre-back slot I think is, is up for grabs. They don't have a prolific, consistent centre-forward. But yeah, I, I think they're a good side. I think they'll press more than any side in this group by by quite a long way. Mm. Josh Sargent and Timothy Ware, potential options as the as the centre forward, as you mentioned, the youngest team to qualify for Qatar, an average age of twenty four. It's mm. great to see a Ware at the World Cup. Certainly so, is. There we go. Certainly is. All right. Well, that's groups A and B. But next time with Maurizio, Michael, and James, we're going to be looking at Argentina's group. Not surprisingly, with Mexico, Poland and Saudi Arabia and also Group D, which features Tunisia and Australia, but also, perhaps more importantly, Denmark and France. Woof. Join us for that next time then on Totally at the World Cup. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.